Brilliant. Right, well, this morning we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to have a read of verses 1 to 15, entitled, Generosity Encouraged. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test your sincerity, the sincerity of your love, by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. So here we have Paul, and he's writing to the Corinthians church, and he's wanting to encourage them in the gift of generosity. And what he does is he tells them about the Macedonian churches. Now, he's not trying to show them this wonderful model to help them feel like they're a failure and they're doing really badly, but he's wanting to show them that if they can do it, then you can do it. He's wanting to inspire them about being a generous people. This morning, our message is entitled, A Generous Life. So I had a little look up on the whole definition of what generous actually means, and here we go, this is what it means. It means free in giving or sharing, and it means noble and open-handed. So just to start us off this morning, how are you doing when it comes to generosity? Are you free in giving and sharing? And do you live open-handed lives in different areas of your life? Little thing to think about as we kick off. 
I was very pleased that Gillian Harrop was here this morning because Gillian was my maths teacher in secondary school. And I want to talk to you a little bit about maths because uh, we, I did all right at maths, didn't I, Gillian? I did all right at maths. Uh, and uh, that was very exciting. But now Amy is bringing her maths homework home. Okay, so she's now in year nine, my daughter. She brought home her maths homework this week. Oh my goodness, I haven't got a clue. I mean, it was really scary. I just did not know. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So what did you learn? You know, you're trying to gather and remember what on earth this math thing is all about. And sometimes, for some of us, not for Gillian Harrow, because he's a math genius, but for some of us, maths can feel like a bit of a mystery. And I would like to suggest that in this passage, there is a sum, there is an equation which is a bit of a mystery, that I'm not sure how it quite makes sense on this earth, but in the heavenly kingdom, often things are turned upside down. How often does Jesus say things that seem to be going in the totally opposite direction of what the world is saying? So, in good teacher style, Gillian... I'm going to write up our sum for us this morning. So the sum is, I hope that you can read it at the back, severe trial. So this is the first part of our sum, severe trial. The Macedonian churches, the folks there, whatever was going on, we don't know the details of it, but what we know is that Paul describes it as severe trial. So that sounds pretty rubbish. But then, there's a plus. Plus. So what did they have with severe trial? Unbelievably, they had this. Overflowing joy. This plus this. Severe trial plus overflowing joy. Then... It's not that simple, you see, because maths isn't, is it? There's another plus. Come in here. On top of severe trial and overflowing joy, these people in the Macedonian church had... Oh, can I fit it on? Oh, just extreme poverty. So we've got severe trial plus overflowing joy plus extreme poverty. And this sum adds up, the Bible tells us, to the most incredible answer. Oh, pen's running out a bit and getting a bit squeaky. I think that happens to all teachers. Um, Equals rich generosity. Rich generosity, severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, equaling rich generosity. Now, for most of us, that's like a bit baffling. Don't you think that's a bit baffling? I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Because that's just not normal in our world. And yet, that is what Paul talks about. Uh, There's a few uh, photos going to come up now of some of my trips to Africa. I've been very fortunate to go to Africa three or four times, uh, to uh, Tanzania and to Uganda. And I have had the most incredible experiences of seeing this sum in action in Africa. 
We went once in Tanzania to the most desperate place where all the children had never seen a white person, so they kept on coming and stroking my face. It was that remote. And uh, they were living in extreme poverty. I think there's no doubt you could say they were in severe trial and extreme poverty. And here we saw this mixture with overflowing joy. They just skipped up to us. There was joy in their hearts and in their lives, which was just contagious. You couldn't get your head around it and your heart around it. Seeing little children with nothing to eat, with the most ragged clothes and the biggest smiles. And what did we experience in Africa? Went to one house. It, it was not a house, as we would describe it. It was a hut. There was no floor. It was just mud. It had this kind of grass roof, but it was so leaking. There's no way it really did anything. I think maybe a bit of sunshade, but if it rained, there was just no chance that place would be a washout. And we were invited in, and we sat on the floor around the corner, and they served up what can only be described for them as a feast, a feast covered in flies, quite challenging place to be, and yet... A feast because even though these people were experiencing severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, their generosity was rich beyond measure. Not only was their generosity rich beyond measure, but their desire was rich. They just were so excited about sharing with us, about giving to us. And I was thinking of this equation and my experience, particularly in Africa, which brings it to light for me. And how often I make an excuse in my life. Well, at the moment, things are a bit difficult or things are a bit tight or maybe I haven't got the time to give generously to that person or maybe I haven't got the energy or maybe I haven't got the money or maybe I... And I have these excuses coming up in my mind. And yet, when I compare them to my experience in Africa, it's just ridiculous. And I think this is something that Paul is trying to do to the Corinthian churches. Say, look at the Macedonian churches. Look at their rich generosity. Sometimes it's surprising what gifts that we have to share with other people. Uh, obviously, we, we're talking today, uh, and this passage is a lot about financial giving. They were giving to the church, but all sorts of ways of giving. And in our society, society is driven by what we can get, all about what we can get. Can we get more of this? Can we get more of that? Can we grow in this? Can we have a bigger house and a bigger whatever it is? And yet, the Bible turns it on its head. So we're going to have a little look at a clip from a very lovely man who's going to talk to us a little bit about turning uh, things Michael, on their head. Michael, what was your big break? Our next guest has performed on Comedy Central's Premium Blend. He made his first appearance on The Tonight Show from the Montreal Comedy Festival. You've seen him on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. That wasn't a big break. The big break was at a club. And right before I got on stage, I had a change in mindset about comedy. Normally when a comedian gets on stage, he wants to get laughs from people. And I felt a little shift take place where I felt like I was to go up there and give them an opportunity to laugh. Now I'm not looking to take. I'm looking for an opportunity to give. This changed everything. My name is Michael Jr. I'm going to do some jokes. And ultrasounds come in color now, which is ridiculous. I know it's a black baby. Better be a black baby. I leave the club that night, and there's all these people 
giving me hugs and high fives, telling me her favorite jokes. Then I look across the street and I saw a homeless guy. And I thought to myself, what about him? Most comedy, most jokes are set up. My son, four years old, looks at me out of nowhere. And he says, Dad, I want to be a doctor. I was like, yes, yes. And then a punchline. Then he said, or a dinosaur. I understand that me doing comedy and doing all of these TV shows and making all these people laugh is really just a setup. My punchline is to make laughter commonplace in uncommon places. We go to Montrose, Colorado, a place called the Dolphin House. They take care of children who have been abused by their parents. And his grandmother explains to me that her um, grandson is being abused by his mom. He's so afraid of his mom that everywhere he goes, he wears a Spider-Man costume. So I get on stage, sitting right up front, Spider-Man. I start doing comedy. People start laughing, slowly but surely. Probably about 25 minutes into it, I hear a voice. And the voice says, my name is Ronan. And this little boy pulls off his mask. And it was one of the most powerful moments in my entire comedy career. Here's the deal. If we could just stop asking the question, what could I get for myself? And start asking the question, what can I give from myself? I think people would learn that you don't have to be a comedian to deliver a punchline. It's really what I want to get across to people. And I think I just did. I looked at the camera again. I don't know if I was supposed to do that. <laughs> Anything else you can think Yeah, I'm going to say it right now. You've been set up. You in the setup? Be the punchline. I love Michael Genia. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you've never Googled him, Google him. He's got loads and loads of hysterical things out there online. Uh, but I love how he's, tr he's using his everyday gifts and seeing how can I be generous in these gifts? How can I turn my, my, what is effectively his career into a tool to give to others? And uh, he's, he's done loads and loads of stuff with churches in the States. And he goes and brings comedy to homeless shelters, to uh, all sorts of different places on the streets. He's there just giving the gift of laughter. What can we do to give of ourselves in the days and weeks to come? What opportunities do you have in everyday life to give of yourself? The Macedonian church, they were quite amazing because they pleaded for the privilege of giving financially to support the work of the Lord. They pleaded, it says, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Verse 4. How often do we urgently plead, Ron, please, please let us give more money because we're so desperate to see the kingdom growing in this place. And then it goes on in verse 5 to say, And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They exceeded expectation. They went far and beyond what Paul thought they would. Another challenge for us this morning. Do we want to exceed others' expectations in our gift of generosity? Uh, a little uh, challenge or a bit of vision for us this morning that's going to come up on the screen now is this. We, St. Saviours, we will lead the way with irrational generosity. 
we truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. Question, do we believe it? Because if we don't believe it, then it's not going to happen. But if we believe it, that it is truly, you're more blessed to give than to receive, then we here at St. Saviour's can lead the way in incredible generosity to one another, to our community, to our family, our friends. And that just reflects our God, because God is so generous to us. He is generous in every way. Paul goes on uh, to write to the Corinthian church in verses 5 to 7, and he says this, again, some challenging words. He says, um, verse 7, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So these people were incredible, weren't they? What a church. They were excelling in faith. They were excelling in speech, excelling in knowledge. They were excelling in being earnest after the things of the Lord. They were excelling in love. They were an amazing church. And yet, the Lord wasn't finished with them yet, because God, through Paul, was urging them to excel also in the grace of giving. I love that phrase, the grace of giving. The grace of giving. So verses 10 and 11 go on to say, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. So here we think about willing hearts, about having our hearts in the right place, about having the desire to be generous in our lives. And when it comes down to it, it's a discipleship issue. It's a follower of Jesus issue, generosity. Because followers of Jesus need to grow in the things of God. And followers of Jesus need to be growing, not just in their actions, but in their motivations. And we want to grow here in the desire to be generous, in the willingness to be generous. Because it says, for if, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Verse 12. So it's not beyond what we have. It's in accordance with what we have, living generous lives. It talks about different seasons, and uh, here at St. Saviour's, we've often talked about the seasons of life, and there are seasons that maybe are hard-pushed for us, and we're stretched, and there's seasons when we're richly blessed. And the whole being a family and a body of, of Christ in this place mean that amongst us this morning, there will absolutely definitely be people living in the season of blessing, and there will be people living in the season of hardship. And so this lovely image of the family of God, living in generosity to one another, to uphold one another. Whatever season you're in, there's a season to be generous. Whether you're in need or in plenty, you can be generous in all sorts of different ways. But maybe if you're in a season where you're particularly blessed, the Lord is calling you to look at how you can be more generous in these days. So what can happen when we give to the work of the Lord. Let's take a look at our second clip this morning. 
through giving. Through giving, there is so much that God can do with us. Through generous, willing and sharing hearts, there is so much more richness and there's so much more to be received as we are blessed, as we bless others. And as the video reminds us, our ultimate example, the greatest giver of all, was Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So as we remember that great example of Jesus upon the cross, how he sacrificed everything for us so that we might be blessed, that we might know him, that we might be filled with his Holy Spirit, we're reminded that Jesus became poor to make us rich. What is it this morning that the Holy Spirit is just prompting in your heart and your life to be generous in? What area of giving is he prompting you Have you reviewed that lately? Have you stepped up? Have you thought about that? What gifts do you have? What resources do you have that God can use? And through your gift, all sorts of doors might open. People might be set free, things released. One of the things that uh, we love to do as a family is sponsor children. And uh, we have had the incredible privilege of going to meet our two sponsored children. And to see children who because of us just giving our monthly amount, their lives are transformed, absolutely transformed, that we, just by a little bit of giving, have made such a difference. Just, it's motivation enough. It always moves us every time. How incredible a privilege it is. What a blessing it is that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. So I'd love you just to take a moment, we're just going to be still for a moment, and ask the Lord, what is my response today to living a life of generosity? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have blessed us in so many ways. And we want to be a grateful people. We give thanks to you for all that we have, that most of us in this room are in the top 5% of the world in terms of material riches. Lord, we thank you for all the opportunities we have. We thank you for all the gifts that you have given us. We thank you for our ability to care and be compassionate and love others. And Lord, we want to ask that you would help us to grow in being a generous people, that that would just be part of who we are, open-handed, happy to give and to share. Lord, we thank you that that is who you are, that you have given over and above, beyond anybody's expectations. And Lord, we pray that we would model that to, to the world as well that as they see our generosity, they would see something of you. Help us to know how specifically and practically to respond, to be growing in a generous life. Amen.